Catholic commentary. Spiritual warfare. Stay ready so you don't have to get ready. Jesus 911. Soul Patrol Jesus 911, two man car, Jess Romero, Paul Clay. Here on Virgin Most Powerful Radio. Paul, how are you, my friend? Are you there? I'm still waiting for Paul Clay to come on board. Okay, I'm I'm here in the great state of New Jersey. I'm preaching the gospel out here, speaking at a at a parish, uh, doing a parish mission. Let me tell you about what. Hey, Paul, how are you, my friend? Yes. Good morning. Good to be here. I am here in New Jersey, Paul. Your neck of the woods. <laughs> were you? Were We're you back. I'm in, uh, I think, the, what city are we in? Huh? Hamilton, New Jersey. Hamilton, New Jersey. Let me let me tell you a little okay. miracle that happened here before we get on with the show today. Okay? So I'm, I'm at the St. Carmel. Let me see. St. Anthony of Padua. St. Anthony of Padua Parish in Hampton, uh, New Jersey. Hampton, New Jersey. Here's what happened last night. So I'm here to speak on spiritual warfare for two nights. And so the pastor is a... Uh, a, a solid, holy, diocesan uh, priest. Uh, and it's interesting. He said, Jesse, something happened that has never happened before. We've had a blackout for 24 hours. We had a storm and we had heavy rain last night. And all the lights are off in the city. And the uh, the electric company has been working around the clock to try to get the lights back on. They said, they told us that they're not going to have the lights on for tonight. So you're going to have to preach in a dark church. So what they started doing is the pastor and some of the Catholics employees and parishioners, they're putting lights all over the church, all over the floor, all over the sanctuary, all over the aisles and turning on the candles. And so I said, wow, this is going to be interesting. I'm going to speak to a packed church here uh, that's pitch black, just like in Genesis chapter one, <laughs> when, when, you know, when, when God said, let there be light and there was light. And so I'm saying, wow, uh, this is the way the Lord must have felt when everything was, uh, there was absolutely nothing. And he started creating everything into his existence. So I said, okay, cool. Well, uh, I told the, the pastor introduced me. And then I said, father, can you do an opening prayer? And he goes, uh, yeah, of course. So he goes, let's pray a St. Michael the Archangel prayer to be with us tonight. So the pastor prayed. As soon as the pastor finished the prayer, all the lights went on in the church. They've been, <laughs> they, they've been off for like 24 hours. And the, depart, the, 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 the electric department, the utilities was telling the pastor, we're not going to have a on tonight. We still don't know what's, what the problem is. As soon as he finished the St. Michael the Archangel prayer, the lights went on. What's the point that I'm making here? And I told the audience yesterday, what you just saw right now was the, the, the power of a pastor's patriarchal authority. He's the ordained pastor of the church. He's the spiritual father of that parish. He's a holy priest who lives in a state of grace. He has the office of a priest, the office of holy orders. And he prayed according to God's will. And so as soon as he finished the St. Michael the Archangel prayer, asking that God be with us tonight at the parish conference mission, all the lights went on. And so uh, was it a coincidence? You could think it's a coincidence. Most of the people are there. They said, 
you know, we're going to, it's going to be pitch black tonight as you're speaking, but hey, we're here and we want to listen to what you have to say. But uh, God had other plans because of a faithful Catholic pastor. Uh, he believed and he prayed to St. Michael the Archangel's intercession to be with us tonight. And, and God tarried, God listened to his words and turned the lights right on as I was walking up to the podium. Again, these things happened to me throughout the course of my life. They're not, some people say, that's a coincidence. Not at all. That's called divine providence. That's the hand of God. Uh, and God responded to the prayers of a faithful pastor. Paul, you want to comment on yeah. that? Yeah, no doubt about it. Just God is working in us and through us in order to accomplish his will. So like you said, people can call it a coincidence, but I call them God incidents yeah. <laughs> yeah. because uh, yeah, um, we live in a, a, a dark time, Jess, and nothing could be illustrated more than that darkness. Yes. And, yet, and, and God cast the light to show that his He's word, his truth. Yeah. Yes but it pierces the darkness. Thy and word we, is a light, a, a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. And God's word just lit the place. <laughs> yeah, well, 150 people last night saw God pierce the darkness as soon as the pastor finished his patriarchal prayer invoking the protection of St. Michael the Archangel over his parish and the lights turned on. Genesis nice. 1-3, let there be light and there was light. Amen, brother. Yeah. Hey, Paul, I want to talk about two heroes. Most people probably haven't heard of them. And you pay a price, Paul, when you go against, like, on, on, a, on, a, on a natural level, if you go against the mob organized crime, you, pay, you, yep. you can pay a price. Yep. When you go against the spiritual mob called the St. Lavender Mafia, you can also pay a spiritual price. I want to talk about two priests. And what they, they've been warning us for decades, two very holy priests. One of them, he's a Thomist. His name's uh, Father Cornelio Fabro, passed away in 1995. A very holy priest. His, his reputation speaks for himself. And another very holy priest, he's still alive. His name's Father Darius Oko. He's a theologian from Poland. Another very holy Orthodox priest. Both these priests, Father Darius Oko and Father uh, Cornelio Fabro, both of them, for a long time now, they've been warning us, Paul, about the infiltration of homosexuality in the church. And yes. so uh, this doesn't surprise me because we know that uh, Sister Lucia in 1980, she wrote a letter to Cardinal Kafara, and she said that uh, Our Lady had told her that the final attack against the human race, the final attack from Satan will be against marriage and the family. Hmm. And this homosexual, Paul, infiltration, this is an attack on marriage and the family. What say you? Oh, absolutely. There's no doubt about it, because uh, when you look back at Genesis, Jess, God took Adam and, and Eve and he blessed them. And he said, be fruitful, multiply and fill the earth. And that's a family. And as you know, the family <laughs> reflects something about the nature of God and a homosexual union can never be fruitful. It is as count. It is as foreign, Jess, and it is as um, 
opposite as the Antichrist is to Jesus Christ himself. Uh, and as a matter of fact, this so-called pseudo-family, these new families that they're creating, these LGBTQ unions, are exactly the work of Satan uh, in order to first mock what God has ordained and set up. And then, uh, but but even more so, um, he's trying to recreate the world in his image. Absolutely. Yeah, Paul, and what we're seeing right now is we're seeing also the infiltration of Marxism in our society and in the church. And uh, that's why Pope Pius XI, he famously declared, he said, quote, religious socialism, Christian socialism are contradictory terms. No one can be at the same time a good Catholic and a true socialist. That's Close true. quote. And so yeah. the, the goal of, of the goal of Marxist socialism is what? It's the destruction of religion, family, and property. Yet yet you have chess in the church today. Many high up uh in the hierarchy say that Jesus well, some at least say that Jesus was a communist. <laughs> if, believe it or not. A lot of people think that Jesus was a communist, that he was a Marxist. Uh, nothing could be further from the truth. Obviously, there was no such thing as communism, but they looked at right. uh, the lifestyle that he lived and said that he was more communist than he was um, hmm. basically a capitalist. Um, wow. Wow, wow, wow. Uh, you can't pigeon, pigeonhole our Lord Jesus Christ into any of these uh, ideologies. I want to talk about the triumph of porno theology. That's uh, that's the name of the article, the triumph of porno theology. And there, there's been kind of a triumph. Uh, the the Thomist, Father Cornelio Fabro, who passed away in 1995, he was ordained a priest for the Stigmatine Order. Uh, he held chairs of theoretical philosophy, metaphysics, philosophy of history, and philosophy. A very, very well-formed priest. Well, a couple of weeks ago, uh, there was there was these criminal proceedings. Well, it was actually in 2022, so it was about two years ago. There was these criminal proceedings of another great Catholic priest called Fa Professor Darius Oko. He's a Catholic priest. And Professor Johannes Storr, another holy Catholic Polish priest. Both of them were hauled into court in Cologne, Germany, in a district court. And, uh, and their hearing was postponed. Uh, for two months, but these priests were ultimately convicted by a German court. And what were they accused of? These priests were actually fit. These holy priests from Poland were facing jail time in a in five years in prison in a German co uh, court for publishing scientific evidence that shows the mechanisms by which the homosexual networks in the Catholic Church sexually corrupt and exploit minors and adults and so they're reported for incitement to hatred mm. we'll talk more about that on the next segment this is interesting jesus 911 lord come to our assistance lord make haste to help us psalm 69 verse 2 we'll be right back Now, back to Jesus 911. If this call is not an emergency, 
Dial 888-526-2151. Soul Patrol, Jesus 911. Talking about these, uh, this, these two holy priests that were hauled into a German court for hate crimes. Uh, because these two Catholic priests from Poland hauled into a German... By the way, they were... They were uh, basically pointed at, or they were they were accused by a homosexual priest, a homosexual lobby, that uh, that obviously you know these these these, uh, these priests that had embraced this vice of homosexuality in Germany, they're the ones that hauled in Father Oko, Professor Oko, and Father Store, uh, Professor Store. They hauled him into court. And the article says this was initiated, this uh, this no to the censorship of the word, because that's what it's all about. Voices that stand in the way of spreading homo heresy should be silenced. Professor Father Oko coined the term homo heresy to designate the double phenomenon of homosexual cliques in the church who cover for each other and get jobs and at the same time work for more or less in secret to change the church's teachings on homosexuality. We're talking about the church's branch of the international gay lobby, uh, which has received increasing support from the establishment and the mainstream since the 1980s as AIDS spread. So a few a few decades ago, another priest, Father Fabro, coined the term porno theology, which, which should be recalled in this context to show that the development goes back further. Porno theology is a term coined by Father Cornelio Fabro, who's a who's a, a priest from the Stigmatine Order, to describe a particular progressive current that overthrew Catholic moral theology after Vatican II. This phenomenon emerged in the early 1970s and has since infiltrated the teaching profession. Against this background, the attacks on Pope Benedict XVI can be understood. I just want to mention something that Paul mentioned to me in the break. The only reason, Paul, as we know that this is able to, to happen is because in the Middle Ages, the Catholic Church under the Holy Roman Empire, we operated under what's called the Two Swords Doctrine. What does that mean? The Two Swords Doctrine means that in the Middle Ages, in the early Middle Ages, in the scholastic period of the church, the popes possessed two swords. And, uh, and the Pope granted the temporal sword to rulers and to kings. And therefore, the Pope also had a second sword, the spiritual sword, which he himself used and ruled over. But the papacy, since the papacy granted the temporal sword to the rulers, the papacy had the right in the Middle Ages to depose kings and emperors. But as a result of Freemasonry, where the West now is under the separation of Masonic Church and State, uh, the Two Swords Doctrine uh, no longer is something that's 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 being applied today. And this is why they can go after two holy Catholic priests and the state can prosecute them for preaching the Bible, Paul. Yeah, yeah just, it's amazing when you really think about it. They have worked hard to crush the the one sword, the idea that, uh, civil government was somehow um, influenced and worked together with 
the church. And when I say the church, there's only one true church. All the other religions, I hate to say this to people, it's going to offend them, but they are false religions. And so once, once the devil worked day and night to separate this, the, the civil authority, then this decoupling, then began to erect unjust laws, ju laws that were out of alignment with God's truth. And so these priests who want to simply proclaim the truth of God are going to be hauled into court because of so-called hate crimes, because the homosexual uh, um, uh, and those that practice homosexual lifestyles are under pr a protected class somehow. And Jess, let's not let's not uh, forget about the fact that man is a body soul composite. There's a spiritual aspect of man, and then there's a physical aspect of man, and. Uh, we know about the sins of the flesh, these pornographic type sins of the flesh. Well, man has been struggling with that for so long, but the devil's not satisfied with that. Now he wants to pervert the actual spiritual end of it. He wants to pervert the act the word of God um, itself. Uh, that's what we see going on here today. That's right. Um... This, uh, yeah, this, and, it's, and what we're talking about is called porn theology, a term that was coined by the great, the late great uh, father, Cornelio Fabro, a, a Thomas philosopher. Uh, the, it says here, the gay, uh, the gay agenda consists of mutual favors amongst its members, but it also mm -hmm. boasts the theological justifications to bring about a change in church ethics to cover its behavior. The internal support of the lobby is therefore also aimed at changing the official teaching of moral theology. For example, by changing the text of the catechism on homosexual acts or reducing the adultery of remarried divorced people who live together uh, more to a kind of accident on the path of discernment and more. Yeah, the left has been uh, upset ever since the new catechism came out in 1994 and its clear teachings on homosexuality being gravely evil and intrinsically disordered. Um, mm -hmm. This approach, of which there are clear signs today, not only among theologians, but also in ecclesiastical authority and in the magisterium of the church, does not come from out of nowhere because the theological prerequisites for it were created more than 50 years ago. In the early 1970s, the philosopher and stigmatist Father Cornelio Fabro spoke of a porno theology practiced by porno theologists. And in his book, The Adventure of Progressive Theology, number one, he wrote that the post-conciliar, that's after Vatican II, after 1965, the post-conciliar moral theology, he said, quote, landed in the dirt and legitimize the unbridled hedonism of the consumer-oriented bourgeois. All that remains is situational ethics, the morality of psychological, sociological, political compromises, and one's own comfort. Yeah, that's is exactly what we're trying to do right now. The Catholic left is trying to appease the homosexual lobby by uh, trying to kind of relax 
you know, certain disciplines and practices in the church to make them feel good, Paul. Yeah. You want to pick it up from there? Go ahead and pick it up. Yeah. These porn theologians have placed themselves on the other side of the barricade, on that of hedonism and vulgarity. They speak with the utmost seriousness of the liberating function of Marxism and the most excessive Freudalism, uh, Freud, Freudianism. They openly take sides against the chosen people of believers. And what used to be mud and moral misery is now considered the realization of personality. Mm. Wow. That says a lot. Pornotheology, said Father Fabro, in an even more emphatic tone, is the mockery and slander of the morality that has shaped and stamped the martyrs and the saints. Isn't that the truth, Jess? Mm. What a mockery. These holy men of God, like I said, this is nothing less than Satan working overtime to try to uh, really re uh, mock the church, mock God, and mock history. The these statements coincide with the denunciation of the collapse of Catholic moral theology that Benedict XVI, in his note on sexual abuse on April 9th, 2019, and Cardinal Ratzinger's famous admonition in the Mass, pro illegendo pontificis, uh, uh, on April 18, 2005, that so many in the church are ready to be tossed about by the gust of some doctrine to leave under which nothing remains but one's own ego and its desires. That's scary. This statement may have always been understood in a metaphorical sense, but in the light of Fabro's porno theology, it becomes understandable in its literal sense. Benedict XVI will admit that Father Fabro was ahead of him. He saw everything long before him. Jess, uh, I wow. sent you, I sent you a, uh, a little video, and there was this uh, Orthodox priest, and he was speaking about the the latest uh, document the Pope released on the blessing of homosexual unions, and it was sad to me because. He had the moral high ground, and he was absolutely right in everything that he was saying. And then he took it at another level and tried to take a stab at the Immaculate Conception, which shows you that those, which shows you that those in schism, uh, just because they may may be right on an issue, uh, their true error comes out. But it's just it was sad to me that under the circumstances today, because of what's going on, it makes our job, it makes Catholics, uh, you know, our, 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 our desire to fulfill God, the great commission to go yeah. out and to uh, evangelize, to, to help people to convert and come to Christ. It makes it so much more difficult, Jess. Absolutely. Yep. Yeah. In 1973, Father Fabro coined the term porno theology. Father Fabro wrote, what I have just mentioned after two events that took place in the church of those years, the meeting of Italian theologians, 
in January 1971 and the publication of a dictionary on moral theology uh, published in 1973 in, in, in uh, the Paulist Sisters Publishing House. As we know, Father Favreau says, between the late 1960s and early 1970s, Catholic publishers were very busy unleashing a veritable editorial bombshell that was to lead to a new theological culture camp within the church. In this bomb, the above two events are of great importance. And the first understanding of theology was changed in the second, that of moral theology. So 1971 and 1973 were, were basically paradigm shifts in Catholic, in Catholic uh, modernist theology where they took the reins of power. Uh, at the Arisia Conference and in 651 pages of the conference's proceedings, theology was understood as anthropology. Father Fabro writes, we'll pick it up in the next segment, talking about porno theology, where it came from, its roots, its origins. Then we're going to talk about another great giant of the church, Father Darius Oko, who was willing to go to jail, uh, him and another priest from Poland, for speaking the truth, the, the biblical truth about uh, homosexuality. We'll be right back. Now, back to Jesus 911. If this call is not an emergency, dial 888-526-2151. Soul Patrol, Jesus 911, two-man car. Paul, we've had four giants that have been fighting against the homosexual infiltration in the Catholic Church. Father Fabro is one of them. Uh, rest in peace, he's passed away. Uh, uh, John Paul II, St. John Paul II, he did four years of teaching on the proper understanding of the human body, how yes. it works, sexual complementarity. He gave four years every Wednesday a homily. It turned out to be a book called The Theology of the Body, uh, where he talks about the proper natural law use of the human body in the marital act. Then we had Father Darius Oko, who wrote a 300-page document dossier called The Homo's Heresy in the Church. He's still with us. He's prayed a price. They've almost tried to throw him in jail. And then the fourth giant that's fought against the homosexual gay lavender mafia is Pope Benedict XVI. Mm. As, a, as, the, as the prefect of the Congregation for the Doctrine of the Faith, he wrote several official magisterial teachings on homosexuality, its dangers, its, its gravely disordered, its sinfulness. Uh, and uh, these four men, Paul, I'm telling you, They've been fighting this, this cesspool that's infiltrated the Catholic Church, the communism and Marxism and modernism, the three M's, the three enemies of Catholicism, Marxism, modernism, and masonry. And those are the three enemies that these four giants have been fighting. And these, these three enemies have been pushing homosexuality into the church. And just don't let it escape your notice that, especially concerning the two popes that you named, Pope Benedict XVI and Pope uh, John Paul II, they were like a couple of dikes that were just in a dam that was ready to burst. And they were just holding back, holding back the water, trying to keep the dam from bursting. And you can imagine all the pressure that was on them. And both of those popes suffered immensely in different ways, but they suffered. And you tie that together with our understanding of suffering in the Catholic church. And you understand that they were no accident 
in the church. And God raised those men up to give us that clear-cut teaching so that in times like this, when things are confusing, we have truly the voice of Christ in the church telling us which way to go. Yeah, Paul, I I, I, I could say that that Cardinal Fernandez, you know, uh, who, who who's an expert on the art of kissing, he is trying to undo, he's trying to undo the Pope Benedict and the Pope John the Paul II papacy. Yeah. Absolutely. Pope yeah. Francis and Cardinal Fernandez are trying to walk back the moral teachings, the orthodox teachings of the Pope Benedict and the Pope John Paul II papacy. Yeah, and and I honestly believe, Jess, that somehow in their mind, they believe they're right. That's what happens when you when you take your eyes off of Christ, or, or let's look at the first Pope, Peter. As long as he kept his eyes on Christ, he was able to do what the miraculous. He walked on water. But the minute he took his eyes off of Christ and his focus off of Christ, he began to sink. He 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 looked around at his circumstances and they just pulled him down because he knew that he was not able to do that. And I honestly think that uh if if I had to give the Pope any advice whatsoever, it would be go on a sabbatical somewhere and just focus in on the Lord and ask him. Like Isaiah, when he told King Ahaz, ask the Lord and he will give you a sign. And King Ahaz, and what was his response? King Ahaz, he says, who are far be it from me that I should ask the Lord for a sign? I mean, and nevertheless, a sign shall be given you. And the sign was a virgin who will bring forth the savior of the world. Yes. And it, the answers lie with Christ. All we have to do is repent and turn to our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Our Blessed Mother will bring us there. She will intercede on our behalf, and we can turn this thing around. Amen. Amen. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Uh, the 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 Mediatress of all graces is there at, at a beckoning call if we humble yes. ourselves Yes. And if we and if we exercise what I would call Marian piety, what is Marian piety? Here are the three things we know about the Blessed Virgin Mary in the New Testament. She surrendered her life to God. Mm -hmm. She trusted in God and she received from God. Yes. She received trust and surrender. Marian piety. It's all in the New Testament. And so every single one of us are called to have received God's message, received God's love, received God's truth, trust in God and what he's telling us through divine revelation and ultimately surrender our lives to God. Like the blessed mother, uh, I am the handmaid of the Lord, be it done to me according to thy will. That's, that, that's good advice for the Pope and for every single one of us. Yes. Uh, Paul, the and last thing I want to give us more graces than we're willing to receive. Yeah. Yeah. The, Father Faber writes, and then we'll go on to the next article. Father Faber writes, revelation must be filtered uh, and mediated, reduced to the dimensions of human subjectivity and brought to a horizontal line. This means that the entire work of tradition and the magisterium must be purged. That's what we see happening right now is the post-1970 church, many of them, many of the modernists in the post-1970 church, which is the church today, they feel a responsibility. They have to re they have to restructure the church, remake the church in the, in the image and likeness of man. Instead of the church having this horizontal focus, 
salvation, sanctification. There's more, I mean, a vertical focus. There's more of a horizontal focus, social justice, uh, you know, Marxism. And so uh, in the article, it says one of the main destroyers of the church after Vatican II was Karl Rahner, Father Karl Rahner. He's a German. Uh, it writes here that he's the main person responsible for the destruction. It's funny. When you talk to a lot of modernist Catholics, even modernist priests, you'll hear them. They'll say, Father Rahner said, Father Rahner writes, Father's, Father Rahner says this. I'm saying, what about St. Augustine? What about St. Thomas Aquinas? What about St. Alphonsus Liguori? Why don't you quote the doctors? and, and, and the, Why are you quoting some Vatican II German liberal Jesuit in the 1960s that was saying things that were on the cutting edge? Wow, nobody was saying things like him. Uh, and so, yeah, so Father Rahner, he's known as the church father to the modernists. They're always going to him, always going to Father Balthazar, the Germans back, the German Jesuits in the 60s and 70s. And when you look at these guys on YouTube, on the Internet and look these guys up, uh, Balthazar, Rahner, these guys never wore a, a Roman collar at Vatican II. Mm. They always dressed like a suit and tie. They wanted to look like academics, like their German counterparts. They went to Vatican II with a suit and tie, not with a Roman collar. Mm. Yeah. That says everything you need to know about the modernists and the, the Jesuits in the 60s at Vatican II that want to change the church. And many of them are still around right now, or they're, 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 the, they're the, the offspring of these Jesuits. And uh, Pope Francis being one of them. And Car Carlo Fernandez, they're the offsprings of Rahner and 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 von Balthasar and the modernists at Vatican II that want to change the church because the church has to catch up to modernity. I say this: if the church catches up to modernity, guess what? You know, you know who loses? I forgot who said this. What great mind? G.K. Chesterton. I think he says, when the church marries the spirit of this age, the church will end up always divorced. Say it again, Jess. Say it again. When the, when the church marries the spirit of this age, the church will always end up divorced. Yeah. Mm, mm, mm. There could be nothing more true. Yeah. 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 So I want to talk about Catholic experts detail the huge homosexual underground in the church. Father Darius Oko, this, this amazing priest that's still alive right now, that just escaped jail by the grace of God. He says many priests and bishops are afraid of some influential lobby which wields its power and which they fall and which they may fall into disfavor with. Yeah, we know that lobby is called the St. Gallen Mafia. Okay. A couple of years ago, this article is back in 2013. Father Darius Oko, this holy priest from Poland, wrote a paper that's been circling around the globe in, 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 you know, for, for a long time. And he talked about the, the prominence and the recent revelations of a Vatican inquiry into a gay mafia inside the Vatican. This was 10 years ago we found about it. And so Father Oko wrote a paper. It was on the internet. I don't know if it's still there. It's called, I have it, I copied it. It's called Standing with the Pope Against Homo Heresy. It was written in 2012 by Father Darius Oko and many other Catholic priests as researchers from, from the Diocese of Krakow, Poland. Uh, he was also an assistant professor at the John Paul II Pontifical University in Krakow, Poland. Father Oko notes that his discovery of a huge homosexual underground in the church came from his work in philosophical criticism of homosexual propaganda and ideology, a study he was encouraged to undertake by various bishops and cardinals, one of them being Pope Benedict, told him, undertake this mission. We need, we need to know how deep this problem is. He says mm -hmm. this, I began my work as a struggle against a deadly external threat to Christianity, but then gradually discovered 
that the enemy is not only outside the church, but within it as well. Mm. Yeah, this this reminds me of what the great Dr. Dietrich von Hildebrand said back in the 60s. He wrote a book. It's called uh, The Trojan Horse in the City of God. Dietrich von Hildebrand, he said, the, the modernists, they're not outside the church anymore. They've Trojan horsed their way in as we were all sleeping. They've exited. They've escaped from the Trojan horse. And they're inside the city of God. And they've infiltrated the city of God. Yes. Paul, want to pick it up from there? Yeah. Um, in his essay. Yeah. In his essay, the philosophy professor, the philosophy professor reveals his own run. And with a homosexual cliche in the Roman Catholic Church. Click, click, click. Click. Okay. My bad. Okay. His own run. His own run-in with a homosexual clique in the Roman Catholic Church, blocking justice for those abused by homosexual clergy. In this case, a homosexual bishop. I learned about Bishop Pates, Archbishop Emeritus of Poznan, by accident from a seminarian who told me, all trembling from emotions and terror about his having been molested by his own ordinary he was at the brink of losing faith, as well as mental and spiritual integrity, relates Father Oko. Hold that thought, we'll Paul. We'll pick it up on Hold the other that. side of the break. Yep. Jesus 911, two-man car, stick around. Now, back to Jesus 911. If this call is not an emergency, dial 888-526-2151. Soul Patrol, Jesus 911, two-man car. Paul, we're talking about uh, the great Father Thaddeus Oko, who's still amongst us. He's a Catholic priest in Poland, theologian, professor, uh, one of the theological giants in Europe. And he knows about the homosexual mafia firsthand. He wrote a dossier, a 300-page dossier. And they've been, they've been after him ever since, Paul. Can you share what he says in the article here? Yeah. He's continuing. Our, our interventions at various levels of church hierarchy were of no avail. However, we encountered a wall that could not be overcome. Even in a case as self-evident as that, he explained, what finally broke through the wall, he says, was a tremendous commotion in the media and and reaching the Pope himself, describing the formation of homosexual cliques of clergy, Father Oko says. They know well, however, that, <clears throat> that they may be exposed and embarrassed, so they shield one another by offering mutual support. They build informal relationships reminding of a clique or even mafia aim at holding particularly those positions which offer power and money. There it is again, power and money. When they achieve a decision-making position, they try to promote and advance mostly those whose nature is similar to theirs, or at least who are known to be too weak to oppose them. This way, 
leading positions in the church may be held by people suffering from deep internal wounds. Yeah, the wounds of homosexuality, right? Yes, yes, yes. Yep, yep. They may actually achieve a dominating position in many areas of the church hierarchy, become a backroom elite, which actually has tremendous power in deciding about important nominations and the whole life of the church. Indeed, they may even prove to be too powerful for honest, well-meaning bishops. Father Oko also identifies the fear and confusion of the clergy, particularly in certain dioceses and congregations. When faced with a topic of homosexuality, they escape into silence, unable to articulate even elementary statements on the teaching of the church on the subject. What are they afraid of? Where does that fear in entire groups of mature adult men come from, he asks. They must be afraid of some influential lobby which wields its power and which they may fall into disfavor with. Just this he said a mouthful. Is, he said a mouthful. Yeah. <laughs> yes, indeed. He said a mouthful. Um, yeah. Father Oko posits that Pope Benedict XVI is well aware of this subculture within the church and has publicly lamented its filth and the damage it has caused. The Pope made cleansing in the church from homosexual abuse and preventing its reoccurrence in the future, one of the priorities of his pontificate, says Father Oko. He removed compromised clergymen from their offices with much energy. In the very first months following his election, still in 2005, he had an instruction issued to strictly forbid ordaining untreated homosexuals. The instruction was preceded by a letter sent from the Holy See to bishops around the world, ordering that priests with homosexual tendencies be immediately removed from any educational functions at seminaries. Later in 2008, the Pope would issue a directive forbidding even non-practicing homosexuals from becoming seminarians. Aptly demonstrating Benedict XVI's grave concern, Father Oko quotes the Pope's 2010 book, Light of the World, wherein the Holy Father says the greatest attention is needed here in order to prevent the intrusion of this kind of ambiguity and to head off a situation where the celibacy of priests would practically end up being identified with the tendency of homosexuality. Just nothing could be more true. Yeah, Paul, uh, well, you, you I, talk to the average secular person, they'll say, oh, yeah, the priesthood is a homosexual uh, vocation. Yeah, yeah. That's the, that, the yes. average non-Catholic, oh, yeah, the priesthood. Yeah, that's, that's where homosexuals are recruited. That's what the average yes. American says right now. Yes, many Catholics are saying that. Many Catholics within within the church are saying that. I was told that about a week ago that, oh, yeah, the problem is uh, we need to let priests get married because these this, this celibacy just doesn't work. It's unnatural. I'm getting that from Catholics. I can't believe it. Uh, uh, Father Rocco's paper is remarkable because it not only – it is not only descriptive, but prescriptive, providing the tools necessary to engage in battle to clean up the filth. I like that. Mm. Not only is it not only does it expose the problem, Jess, but it gives us the cure. Yeah. In a clarion call to his fellow clergy and to faithful Catholic lady, Father Oko recalls the Pope's heroism in combating the homo lobby, but says he cannot do it all by himself. 
Yeah. I, I remember I read 10 years ago that Pope Fran, uh, Pope uh, Pope Benedict the 16th had dis- laicized and dismissed something like 800 priests around the world yes. under his pontificate. He was he was dismissing them left once they found out that they were homosexuals and practicing gone 800 that's why yeah. they hated him. The homosexual yeah. lobby in the Catholic Church hated Pope Benedict XVI yeah. because he was using the sword that was left to him, the spiritual authority. He was saying, we cannot have a priest who has these proclivities and tendencies. You're out. Yeah. And what does Pope Francis do when he when, immediately when he when he takes over, Jess? He brings he a re- lot of these guys back in. Yes. Yes. He resurrects them. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, the Pope, uh, it says the Pope needs each and every one of us. He ne- uh, he needs support and healthy preaching in every local church. It's a matter of remaining faithful to one's conscience, defending the truth of salvation, uh, no matter how much it should cost. Let's go to where it says recognizing the enemy. This is good. We'll go another two minutes and we'll talk about some active homosexual priests. Here it is, Paul, are masters at camouflage. Mm. He says, quoting another experienced priest. The real threat to the church are cynical homosexual priests who take advantage of their functions on their own behalf, sometimes in an extraordinarily devious way. I would say uh, exhibit A, Father James Morton, classic example. The homo lobby, says Father Oko, represents the the very center of internal opposition against the Pope, as against Pope Bennett, not Pope Francis, okay? It's the context, because this article was written 10 years ago. Members of that lobby in, in which the church are a relatively small group, but often hold key positions, which they are very anxious to achieve, create a close network of relationships and support one another, which is which is what makes them dangerous. Yeah, Paul, the left works well together, and those that are orthodox, patriot, and conservative don't, want, don't work that well together. We're always fighting. But people on the left, guess what? They bury the hatchets, and they work together to promote the culture of death. Paul, what should we do? What does Father Oko say? Some action items. Go ahead. Okay. The homosexual mafia in the church must be dealt with in a very professional way. We must act like a prosecutor or an officer in the battlefield. I think we're beyond that one just right now. Hmm. Uh, They outnumber us in in the positions of authority. And they've got the papacy. They got the papacy. Yes. Yes. It, It is important that we find a large group of people of goodwill to protect us and support what we do. That group should include clergymen as high in the hierarchy as possible, experts in various fields, archive records, specialists, lawyers, policemen, journalists, and as many believers as possible. Number three. Number three. It is a good exchange of information, documents, and evidence. The global network of homo lobbies and homo mafias must be counterbalanced by a network of honest people. The the internet is an excellent tool which makes it possible to create a global community of people concerned about the fate of the church. The more we know, the more we can do. We need to remember that in these matters, we we are like sheep sent among wolves. And so we must be as shrewd as snakes and as innocent as doves, St. Matthew chapter 10, verse 16. We must have the courage to stand up against evildoers as Christ had the courage to stand up against the Pharisees of his times. Jess, as we're running out of time, let's just wrap this up, Jess, and and speak from the heart. What say you? Okay, here's what I say, Paul. 
when I look at the end of my rosary, I see a crucifix. When I walk yes. into every Catholic church, I see a crucifix in the center of the sanctuary. Around my neck is a crucifix because it's a reminder of who died for my sins. It wasn't St. Peter. It wasn't St. Paul. It wasn't any pope. It wasn't any priest. And it wasn't any bishop. It was the high priest, Jesus Christ, the Son of God. Jesus Christ is the only Savior of the world, not a pope, not a bishop, not a priest. They are the ambassadors of Christ. They are the, the generals in the army of God. But Christ and Christ alone, okay? I, I'm not going to mince words. He is the savior of the human race. He is the Amen. redeemer. He is the Lord and giver of life. He is the king of kings and Lord of lords. And guess what? He's never sinned. He's pure. He's sinless. And Jesus Christ, you can always trust in him. The Bible says, do not put your trust in, do not put your trust in men. Do not put your trust in princes. Trust in the Lord. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And Paul, every time I go to Mass and I receive Holy Communion like I did this morning, I'm not receiving the body blood of a, of a Pope or, or, a, or a priest or a bishop. I'm receiving the body, blood, soul, divinity of the Son of God, the only person that Preach can it, resurrect brother. my soul from this life to the next. Preach it, brother. And when I look at that crucifix, Jess, I'm reminded that I got to climb up on that cross and now... How do you say it in Spanish? Es mi turno. It's my turn now to carry my cross, to, to, to suffer for the sake of Christ, to suffer for the ministry. That's what we're called to do. Uh, do not marvel if the world hates you, he said, for the world hated me before it hated you. What's yep. the big surprise here? Amen. The world hates Christ. It hates his truth. And guess what? Like, like the article says, we are like sheep. Uh, led to the slaughter. There are wolves out there. Christ re reminded us, beware of wolves in sheep's clothing. Listen, folks, everything we need is in sacred scripture and in sacred tradition. All we have to do is hold fast, keep our eye on the prize, be encouraged. Don't be discouraged, but be encouraged because in the end, we win. Absolutely. Catholics, Remember, we serve the Virgin Most Powerful. She's a 12-star general. Pray your rosary every day. Read your Bible every day. And by doing so, you unite your prayers to the heel of the Blessed Virgin. By doing so, you unite your prayers to the sword of St. Michael. Let's continue praying and delivering powerful blows to the kingdom of darkness and tear down the gates of hell. Yes. All right, family, we'll see you next time. Jesus 911 signing off, EOW, end of watch. We are out.